If you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. I'd like for everyone to have one. For everyone to have one. If you don't have an outline, please raise your hand and Brother Steve will make sure that you get one. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed to Macedonia. Father, we thank you so much this day for your bountiful blessings. Not only inform us through your word and through the message, but transform us through your spirit. And Lord, as VBS says, submerge us in your holy love, submerge us in your spirit, Speak to our hearts today, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Most of us know that since January, we have been sharing on the letters of the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote letters. Paul was warm. He was affectionate. And uh, we've come through several of the books of the Apostle Paul The last study was on 1 Corinthians. This study is in 2 Corinthians. And uh, if you'll notice, the title is the second epistle to the Corinthians. And under that, you'll find relationships. And so what I want to do today and what I want to do for the next few Sundays is talk about relationships. I want to read those two verses again, if you will allow me through the writings of the message, and it reads like this. Eugene Peterson says in these verses, When I arrived in Troas to proclaim the message of the Messiah, I found the place wide open. God had opened the door. All I had to do was walk through it. But when I didn't find Titus waiting for me with news of your condition, I couldn't relax. Word about you, I left and came on to, Mo, uh, to Macedonia province looking for Titus and a reassuring word on you. And I got it. Thank God. Paul had a strained relationship with the church at Corinth. You find that when he wrote to them the book, first book, which was 1 Corinthians. Several reasons why he had a strained relationship. And the reason the chasm was there. uh, His tough talk to correct them. They needed correction when it came to to accepting carnality. He rebuked their carnality. He rebuked their failure to discipline a sinning, sinning member of the congregation. And also they were going to court. And having lawsuits, and he chastised them for that, or chastised them. Also, they were concerned about his seeming fickleness. They thought Paul was weak. They thought Paul would not keep his word. He had promised to come to see them, and he had not because he was providentially hindered, and he could not. And uh, they also, there were other apostles in the church 
uh, that had slandered his name. You see, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was the founder of the church at Corinth, yet they had many of them had turned against them. They showed their immaturity, uh, yet they thought themselves to be very spiritual. So there was this problem with this relationship with the Apostle Paul. And so he had sent Titus on to visit the church at Corinth to find out what was going on, to find out uh, how they felt about the letter that he had written to them, to find out and let him know the condition of the church. So he comes to a place called Troas, and there he thought to find Titus. This young man would bring him news about what was happening at Corinth. Notice something that's very important. When he arrived at Troas, he had a great revival. The Bible says the doors were open to him. I mean, he was very successful. And all of a sudden, Paul pulls up and leaves and goes to Macedonia. When I read those two verses, I thought to myself, how many ministers would do that? I thought to myself, how many people would think, Paul, boy, you blew it. You had things going your way. People were being saved. People were being introduced to the gospel of the Lord. The offerings were coming in and great things were happening. Paul, you had a successful ministry and a successful revival and a successful outpouring of the Lord. And all of a sudden you pull up and leave. What's going on? Why did you do that? Don't you think you missed God? But Paul left and went to Macedonia. Let me read another scripture to you. It's found in Matthew chapter 5 in verse 23 and 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift This is Jesus speaking to the Jewish people that brought the sacrifices to the altar and they, like the lambs, and laid them on the altar. He says, leave them, leave your gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Notice the introduction that we have on your outline. Having left, and this tells the story. Having left Ephesus, Paul went to Troas, a port city in the northwest corner of Asia Minor, where he expected Titus to arrive from his visit to Corinth. While Paul was there, he went about his missionary work with his usual vigor. And God blessed his efforts. But in spite of of a promising beginning in a city of great strategic importance, Paul cut short his work in Troy's because, as he puts it, my mind could not rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. He simply, Paul, could not attend to his work, his very passion, because of the anguish he felt over his strained relationship with the Corinthian believers. So he left for Macedonia in the hope of finding Titus there. Again, the church had turned against him. The relationship had was suffering. And Paul was so concerned about the relationship, he left this successful meeting and now he's trying to find Titus and find out what's going on. Roman numeral number one. Life 
is relational. Second Corinthians, if you read it, and I would encourage you to read it this week. If you read Second Corinthians, and you'll find it's all about relationships. Not perfect ones, but certainly real relationships. Simply like we have here in this church. Or like we have with our co-worker. Or like we have with other people in our neighborhood. Relationships. We hurt and hope the most about relationships with people who matter the most to us. Notice number two. When relationships are broken, we're often at a loss to know what to do and to say and do. Should we share what is going on inside of us or even if we sh- or show the weakness and the struggles? I think of Paul as he, as he wrote this book to, to the church at Corinth, how transparent he was. How open he was to to show forth his weaknesses. To show forth the bottom line and say, here is where I am. I'm wondering how many of us today in our relationship to our brothers and sisters and our fellow man. How many of us are really open to the point of being transparent and even hurt at times? Paul was. Though he was struggled. How many of us have a special friend that the relationship certainly has been broken, an employer or maybe an employee, even our spouse or our brothers and sisters in the Lord, someone that's talked behind our back and here we are hurt and we don't know what to do. We find it's very important certainly to follow the Lord in being able to bring forth restoration to relationships. Roman numeral number two. Two things striking about the text. In other words, Paul can't remain aloof. He can't stay there in Troas. He can't enjoy that successful meeting. Paul places significant value on his relationship with other believers. Let me ask you something. Do you do that? Number two, Paul places a high priority on bringing about reconciliation, bringing about healing in the rupture of this, certainly in this relationship. The lesson for us is obvious. Relationships are important. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Relationships are important. Restoration, notice this, number five. Restoration of broken relationships takes precedent over work and worship. You see, the Bible says here, if you bring your gift, in other words, if you come to church to worship, we're all about the outward. We can bring our gifts, we can stand and we can sing. And we can, we, can, we can give our offerings and we can preach and all of the things, the outward things. But God is more concerned about the inward part of man than he is about the outward part of man. He said, if you come to worship me and you find out the relationship between you and a brother has been damaged, he said, leave the worship. Boy, I'll tell you, that don't go over too good in some churches. What? I'm going to leave worship? That's what he's talking about when you bring your gift. 
God says, I'm more concerned what goes on between you and others than I am you worshiping me. He's not devaluing worship. It's kind of hard to worship when you're at odds with your spouse. My wife and I fussed years ago. A little, we don't fuss as much. We're too old to fuss. We're not, but I just learned to say, yes, ma'am. But when we did fuss and I'd had to come and preach, we had church on Sunday night. We fussed during the Sunday. I just, it's just hard. It's hard to pray when you're at odds with someone. It's hard to worship God. He said, you get up. Not only that, but the work. Paul was involved in spreading the gospel in Troas. And as I said over and over, it was successful. But he said, time out. I've got to make sure everything's okay between me and the church at Corinth. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we made things right with our brothers and sisters? Wouldn't it be great if we came across the aisles and hugged each other and loved each other and wept on the other one's shoulder? And say, forgive me. When my wife and I started in this sabbatical, we went to the children's church. And the first Sunday in there, I'll, I'll tell you, those, those folks are doing such a wonderful job with the children. I don't know, I'd like to know how many, if somebody could find out how many you have today. Because there was just a lot of children here today. I just think it's great. But we were there and they had all kind of teaching and, and they just really involved the children. And one of the demonstrations, they had a little baby doll. And Leslie gave that baby doll to one of the little girls. Well, I was sitting aloof from around the table, Carol and I on the side. And I watched another little girl that got angry. She says, I want that baby doll. Well, they didn't listen to her. They just kept on teaching, and the uh, little girl kept holding the baby doll, and the other one just, if she could have stared holes in that girl, she would have. <laughs> well, it just happened so, as most of you know, we have Durham Ministers in prayer, and then next Tuesday, I went to the Durham Ministers in prayer. Let me tell you who bothers me. Preachers. Now, your coworker may bother you. You know, somebody bothers us all. I, don't, I guess we do. There's somebody that gets under our skin. And, and mine is it's, it's preachers. Usually it's your peers. Okay? So the next Tuesday, at 9.30, I went to pray, and there was all these preachers there, and one of those preachers just aggravated me. And I left just fuming. And I got home and I said, Carol, I want you to know. You know what God said to me? He said, Don, you're fuming and your actions is just like that little girl sitting wanting that baby doll. And just as about as important. Thank you. Just about as important. We fuss and separate and divide and get at each other. Over things that don't mean hardly anything. We're fussing over a baby doll when it doesn't mean anything. 
I told you preachers sometimes bother me. I was in England preaching some years ago, and I was up preaching. I thought it was a pretty good message. And I was up preaching this sermon, and all of a sudden, this preacher stood up in the back, grabbed his wife's hand, and he just went after me, and he told me off, and he just marched right out of that church. Hurt my feelings so bad, I thought I was doing a good job, and he just said I was doing a lousy job preaching. He wasn't even going to stay and listen to me. I hope I've forgiven that man. I believe I have. I believe we all need to take a, a real good look at ourselves and see what separates us and understand in God's sight, making things right with our brothers and sisters and those that we have offended or maybe even offended in us. We need to make those things right and bring healing and restoration to our relationships. Donald Trump says he's going to build a wall. Now, for some people, good people, that's a good idea. And for some people, good people, that's a bad idea. And he said he's going to make the Mexicans pay for it. I'm not going to discuss that today. I'm not even going to tell you how I feel about it. But I will take it to this. The devil is building walls and he's making you and I pay for it. Invisible walls. And we let those walls be built. And we allow the world and the news media to divide us and have hard feelings when we need, need to get those things under the blood and realize we're all made in the very image of God. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. We're all and should be children of God. That's the reason we say brothers and sisters. We are family. We are one. And that's the prayer that Jesus prayed. That we all might be one. Matthew chapter 22 verses 36 through 40. Teacher. This is the disciples asking Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law? Notice Jesus, these are his words. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Two things we've got to remember. We've got to love God and we've got to love each other. And we're running around trying to do all of these things. And, and, and you know, we're, we're very religious I don't think God, I don't think Jesus cared much for religion. But he thought a lot of relationships. And Paul thought a lot of relationships. And the two things that we need to work on today, and the two things that we need to remember, I'm going to love God. With all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to love him. But the second Runs a close second. Is love your neighbor as yourself. Ron Fisher is, he's a Lego man. 
And if you'll see here what he's made, you ought to get a picture of that before you leave. I, I just love his handiwork. And Ryan did this for me. And the pieces are so different. I'm going to try to pick it up. Isn't that nice? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. He's not in here, but I thank him for doing it. These pieces are different colors. They're different shapes, but they have one thing in common. All the thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands and million Legos has one thing in common. They connect. And God's people are all different colors, all different shapes. Wow. And they're different. But all of us have one thing in common. We connect. And the thing that connects us is Jesus Christ. When I go on Tuesday... To pray, I pray with about 40 ministers every Tuesday. Now, there's not 40 there. Usually, there's around 20 because all of them can't come every Tuesday. But I pray with about 40 ministers. There's Baptists and there's Pentecostals. And when you can get Baptists and Pentecostals together for anything, that's a miracle. There are Methodists. They're Presbyterians. They're short folks. They're tall folks. There's people that come there in cars. There's people that ride bicycles and scooters. There are black people. There are white people. There are Hispanic people. There are Asian people. And I'm sorry if I was not politically correct with that one. But they're all different kind of But the one thing and the reason that we all have been praying for 18 years together and we've seen miracle after miracle after miracle happen over the last 18 years and the reason that we come together and the reason that we can pray together and weep together and and praise the Lord together is because we have one thing that connects us and that is none other than Jesus Christ our Lord. Some baptize when they immerse. Some that come on Tuesday sprinkle. Some don't believe in speaking in tongues. Some do believe in speaking in tongues. They're all kind of, some believe in taking the communion and the Lord's Supper one way. And some believe in taking it another way. There's so many of us that are different. And if you went to our worship services on Sunday morning, you'd just be scratching your head. Like, for instance, Mount Bethel here. We've had the pastor from Mount Bethel to come. Good church down the, that right down here, stone's throw. They're different than we are. You say, how do you know? Because sometimes some of their visitors come here on Sunday morning. 
and we start the music. And their eyes get big. And they start looking around. Because they think they're at Mount Bethel, but they're not at Mount Bethel. They're at Bethel Christian Center. And it's not long before they stand up and they walk out because it's so different. That church and this church, is we're different people. We've got to understand that. But as I said, we all march under the banner of Jesus Christ. And we can be and we are the same. You were created for connection. We need each other. Let me say that again. You may think you don't. You need the church. That's why I don't understand people don't go to church. You know, it is amazing how connected, and I'm going to put that in parentheses, how connected we are today. Yesterday we were at a restaurant and we watched the whole table sitting there. And when they finished, they were doing this. They were not talking to each other. They were not looking at each other. You know one thing I like in the Bible that says that, Mo, that God spoke to Moses face to face. That's almost an oxymoron today because we don't like to speak face to face. We want to text. We want to tweet. We want to email. We want to call on the phone. But America's not connected today. You said, oh, we're, we're connected more than ever before. We have our iPhones. We have our, 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 our uh, all kind of technical things and ways to get in touch with each other. Are we really connected? Because if you, if you uh, use Facebook, if you don't like somebody, all you got to do is just take them right off. It's all over, but the shouting, you're just going down your you're just going down the road. I didn't like him, I didn't like what she said, and just take them off. But when you connect, when you're face to face, you gotta put up with them. It's time we talk face to face sometimes. It's time we got together and prayed together, loved together, hugged together. You see, when I was growing up as a young man in Sampson County, nine years old and older in my teenage years, we had church on Sunday night. And I know that frightens people, that that scares people. We actually, believe me, had time for service on Sunday night. I know that day's over for most churches. But let me tell you what happened at this church. Was everybody unified? Sometimes we won't. Sometimes there was a knockout, bang out time. But you know what we had? We had people that that really deep down loved each other. And many times, and I said Sunday night because many times on Sunday night, though it was a special service, and you'd start singing a song and all of a sudden you'd see this brother leave his pew and go over here. Take the hand of another brother. And say, I want you to forgive me. I am so sorry about what's happened with our relationship. And all of a sudden, it would break. I mean, this happened often. All of a sudden, it would break, sister to sister. 
Relative to relative. There was a whole coming together of the churches loving each other. I mean, the Spirit of God moved in such a way. And here's what it felt like. It felt like a cleansing from the crown of your head, the sole of your feet. Because everybody got stuff out. They confessed their wrongs. They confessed what they had said about this one. And they asked them genuinely, transparently, honestly, openly. Said, here's where I've been at. Here's what I've said. Here's what I've done. Would you forgive me today? And yes, I do forgive you today. And weeping and praying and hugging. And we went out of that church feeling like we could tackle anything that came our way. Because we laid aside, did we shout? Yes. Did we dance? Yes. Was the music loud? Yes. But one thing that happened when we came together and that cleansing came into the church, the power of God operated in that church. How many today are coming or going to church? And they bring their gift or they bring their, their offering or they lift their hands of praise or they sing the songs. And yet deep down inside, there's a problem. Maybe we've had it pressed down and hid so long, we no longer feel it. We casually shake hands. We casually greet each other. And then we go on about our ways and we get back on our phones and we get back into the routine of life and we do our thing. And deep down inside, God is wanting to touch us, bring healing and restoration to our relationships and bring a revival to the church. I don't believe revival will come to the church till the church comes together. I think it will. That's the reason he said, get up from the altar. You say, well, I didn't do nothing to her. It was her. The Bible says if you find out your sister or brother has an ought against you, go to them and make it right. Well, I'm afraid. Well, Paul won't. He wrote to that church again, visited Corinth, and he was so open, so transparent in his life. He said, Here's where I am, folks. You call me weak. You say when I'm away, I write strong letters. But when I come, I'm weak to you. I'm not. I want you to know where I'm coming from. We need to come together. What I'm going to do, if you'll look at number Roman numeral number four. Because Paul talked a lot about relationships. Look at it, if you will. Most of you know of these relationships that the Apostle Paul had. Philemon and Onesimus. Did you know that small little book was all about relationships? Now, as we go through each one of these each Sunday, and I don't know that I'll go at nine Sundays with it, but as we go through each one of these, we're going to see how these relationships were. We're going to see what took place in order to heal these relationships. Because most of you know about Philemon, which that's the name of the book. He was Onesimus' master. 
Onesimus was a slave. And notice what we have from slave to son. Look at number two, the Roman seven. You ever heard of the Roman seven? I think I've heard of the dirty seven. That's a movie, Western movie. But the Roman seven, you want to learn something about relationships? You be here when we look at these seven people that Paul talked about and talked and how he spoke of their relationship. The Corinthian church, I've just said that, which had a stormy relationship. Paul and Peter. Two pillars in the church. Two men that were powerful men. Two of the greatest men in the New Testament. Two of the greatest men in the book of Acts. Yet there was a problem. In fact, Paul had to rebuke Peter to his face. Now, boy, that's getting right, right rough there. I mean, you know, have you ever had anybody to rebuke it to your face? I mean, in love, in, in a Christ-like, with a Christ-like spirit. Not only Paul and Peter, but Paul and Barnabas. It's a great story. Paul and Demas. Notice what we say, taking personal responsibility for our own actions. In Paul and Barnabas, I love this, when division becomes multiplication. Great story. Great principles in this story. Paul and Timothy. And we're going to look at three phases of a Paul and a Timothy relationship. Paul and John Mark. That that story and how Paul handled this, this situation with Mark. Mark, we're speaking of John Mark. Mark is the one that wrote the book of Mark. But there was a division. In fact, there was a division which became so much until they separated Barnabas and Paul and Mark. Barnabas and Mark and Paul. And then Paul and God. We can't have a good relationship until we understand that our relationship with God is what it should be. Come and play that song you were playing early, Judy. And he walks with me and he talks with me. You're talking about a relationship. A relationship with God. How is your relationship with God today? I mean, if you be real honest, have you walked with him lately? Have you talked with him lately? I don't mean to preach down to you, and I hope I'm not coming across that way. I just want, I just want God to transform us as well as inform us. 